0: Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your guest host, Johnny T., and today my guest is Pastor Mark Sowersby. He would like to know how you move past the pain that keeps you up at night, leaves you isolated, untrusting, and afraid. How can you possibly forgive those, especially when they don't deserve forgiveness? Mark, it's a pleasure to have you here today. The pleasure is
2: mine. Thank you for having me.
1: I'm honored. I know that you have a book, and we'll get to that, called Forgiving the Nightmare. Let's start with your journey of faith. How did that begin? Well,
2: it's, it's connected to my nightmare. So it's hard for me to kind of separate two stories, because in the midst of my nightmare, and again, we can dive into that. That in the middle of, of all that chaos in my life, the abuse and the problems and the hurt, as I started to break free from that, kind of not knowing where to go or where to find hope, love or strength, I got invited to church. It was the 80s. We had
1: mullet. Uh, <laughs> I remember those. <laughs> we,
2: uh, we wore jean jackets with our favorite bands on the you know patches on, on it. Uh, we all wore boots and I went to a youth group and people started just kind of be kind to me, be nice to me, and started to talk to me about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then one day someone asked me to say the sinner's prayer, prayer that asked Christ to come into our lives, and I did that. So I was about 16 years old. I followed Christ, one foot in, one foot out, a half in, a mind in, half a mind out, trying to figure out who I am and growing up. But then God got a hold of my heart and I've tried to live for him every day since.
1: Yeah, it's had a similar kind of experience when I was 19. So, yeah. And I had my favorite band sewn on the back of my uh, Levi's cord that's jacket. Right, that's, right. that's all we wore in the winter was a denim jacket, right? We didn't wear that's winter it, coats. That's right. it. That's right. That's it. We
2: wore boots, denim jackets, and your favorite band was the big pack, right? You had a lot of little patches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, yeah, and that's a few so- pins. Back when I was coming, you still had a yeah. few pins, you
1: know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I remember that very clearly. I know you're talking about this nightmare in your life, so maybe we can start off with that. And I know that there's people in our audience that may be going through similar situations. So, you know, share what's on your heart about that and as deeply or as lightly as you want to. Sure. You know,
2: first I'd say everybody has a nightmare. You're going to hear about my nightmare. I was abused from the age of seven till I was 14 years old by my mother's husband who would come into our family and he would groom me and abuse me in every single way that you can imagine. He physically abused me, emotionally abused me, verbally abused me. He belittled me. He ostracized me. He sexually abused me too, not only by his own hand, but he sold me to others. And it was a very desperate and broken time, as you can imagine, in my life. It stole everything from, it It stole Mm -hmm. my value, it stole my innocence, it stole my importance. And all it did is leave me with insecurity and fears that haunted me well into my adulthood. So yeah, I was abused. I was broken. I was stabbed. I was beaten. I was lied to. I was sold to others. And this was a daily occurrence. A lot of people ask me, how did I feel in those years? And I felt like anybody else would feel. I felt angry. I felt mad. I wanted revenge. I wanted to run. I was scared. But mostly I felt numb. It was just a numbing feeling. I didn't know what was happening. It was the atmosphere that I lived in. It was the reality of my life. And again, we're going back to the 80s. My abuse took place from 1977 to 1984. And culture was different. You know, we didn't talk about it. I came up, my mother's generation was, if you didn't talk about it, it didn't happen. So mm-hmm. there wasn't so much awareness or advocacy or, or support for people that were being abused. So I really felt alone. I felt hurt. And I felt empty at that time.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of perceived personal shame and guilt from that, even though none of it was your fault. So that would have weighed heavily on you as you're growing up into adolescence and and things like
2: that. Yeah, of course. You try to figure out who you are, where you're going, ask yourself why, why did this happen to me? what does this mean? And you're know, trying to just wrestle with growing up, but also wrestle with this demand that's been put upon you by an abuser, by somebody who's stolen everything from you and leaving you limping, if you would, maybe physically and emotionally. And that's what it was. That was it every day. Again, I can tell you stories about how he pierced my side with a screwdriver and how he broke my teeth with a baseball bat. And those aren't the important stories they the important story is, is that I found hope and I found love and grace, but again, I still felt shackled to my past. And every time I took one step forward, I felt like I was getting pulled back two steps, if you would. So again, the abuse was real, and uh, it was ugly, and wherever your mind can go is probably where it went. But we all have a nightmare. My nightmare was child abuse, but everybody that's living has to fight through something. Everybody's trying to fight through their nightmare. Is it an abuse? Is it an addiction? Is it death? Is it sorrow? What is it that has tried to steal your hope and steal your future?
1: I know that when we come to the Lord, you know, we all come with baggage of some kind, even people that haven't experienced those kinds of things in their lives or other things in their lives. But yet, how difficult was it for you to move forward with your life? You know that you were saved. You know, you'd given your heart to the Lord. You you were reading the Bible. He's given you his promises. How much of a battle was that for you to finally come to that place? You know, Jesus says, I came that you might have life in heaven more abundantly In whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So I'm sure that there was some struggle along that path to get to that place. So how did you work your way through that? Because I'm sure people are going to say, "Well, that's great for him, and it was like a switch turned, and everything was okay." That's not the reality of. That's not the reality
2: at all. You know, this was a journey, like I said, that came with a lot of stumbling and messing up, and going forward and going back, throwing in the towel, and crying, and saying never, and saying always. But yeah, this is a journey story. It's not a one second, went to church, went to the altar, throw two bucks in the plate, said a quick prayer, went home and everything was good. I'm here on the other side of 50. And I'm telling you, here's where I start learning to trust. So yeah, it's it's been a journey. And the beautiful part of my story is that in the scripture, he says that he leaves the 99 to go get the one. And yeah. I've been the one more than once. You know, where he's come and got me. So, yeah. you know, I would say that I got saved, as you said, and I, I know the promises of God, but I didn't know how to study the Word of God. I didn't know how to be a church goer. I didn't understand about Baptist or Pentecostal. What I wanted to do was just know God. So I tell people a lot of times that I didn't seek forgiveness. I didn't seek anything else but God. When I started on this journey, all I wanted to do was know God. I want to know who he was. I didn't want to know what a church told me about him. I didn't want to know what other people told me about God. So I got into God's word and I read the best I could. Obviously, I didn't understand it. I, I was just receiving it. But I would go in my prayer closet, and God would start lightening me and speaking to my heart of hearts. I never heard the audible voice, but just kind of leading me step by step to Him, if you would, to, to the grace and the love of God. And in there is where I started to learn to forgive, let go, and surrender.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, as, as you embraced the church community, you know, you would have questions about your walk with God. How difficult was the battle to accept mentorship? Because, you know, your father figure, if you want to call it that, would not have been the greatest example for someone you could go to and talk about your journey and your struggles and things like that. So how did you manage to bridge that gap to accepting mentorship in your walk with God?
2: Well, I think trauma, which we all experience because we have nightmares, and for those who have been physically abused or abused in any way, one of the first casualties of abuse is that you lose trust. And when you don't trust anything, you don't trust anybody. You know the old saying, I can only trust them as far as I can throw them. And, and when trust is gone, it's hard to find mentors. It's hard to find counselors, coaches, whatever you want to put there. But as you learn to lean on God, one of the first gifts God gave me is I can begin to trust him. And again, I remember come, people coming up to me and saying, you know, if you have a seed of faith, you can move them out. Uh, of mm-hmm. a mustard seed state of it, you can move a mountain. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that meant. Like, Lord, what does that mean? Like, what's a mustard seed? And what's faith? And you know, I could stand in front of a mountain and say, in my heart of hearts, the Lord said, Hey Mark, can you move a pebble? I can move a pebble, God. You know, I'm a I'm a grown man, I can move a pebble. But by faith, can you believe me to move a pebble? Yeah. And then slowly by getting into the word and trusting that I had the faith to move a pebble, he'd say, Let's go move the rock, then let's go move the stone, and let's go move the boulder. And let's go move the hill. And again, that's a journey within itself, each step. But as I started to mature and it started to grow and I became a husband and a father and a friend and then eventually a pastor, God would say to me, now let's go move that mountain. And I knew that mountain was to forgive those who trespass against me. Now I said, God, I can't do it. It's too much to ask me. I can't forgive the person who stole so much, the person who invaded my innocence and, and ripped it from me. And the Lord said, but I'll be with you because I was with you with the pebble, the boulder, the stone. Mm -hmm. And only through God can I sit here and tell you, brother, is that I've learned to forgive. But I had to really learn what forgiveness was to say I can forgive.
1: So your parable about the pebble and the stone and the boulder and the mountain, it makes me think of our journey of faith with Christ that he will take us and he'll help us get rid of the low-lying fruit first because that's the easiest. And as we build our faith in him and our trust in him and we can see success... He built on each of those successes till we finally come face to face with those boulders and mountains that he knows that he's already given us the freedom, but we may not know that yet.
2: That's right. That's right. And like I said, I think that anybody has been hit through any kind of trauma, trust is something you lose quickly. I remember before I told my wife I love her and I wanted to share life with her, I thought how much I trusted her. And I knew once I trusted her, I could love her. And uh, I grew to love her and trust her. And today we've been married almost 20 years coming later on this year. So four kids and were, we're blessed and happy. Most of the days, most days. (laughs) But, you know, I would say that, you know, sometimes Christians, they try to give the best advice. And I know it's heartfelt and it it comes from a good place, but sometimes we Christians can't give great advice. And, And I remember a lot of people saying, forgive and forget, let go, move forward. But they didn't know what I went through, first of all. They didn't know how badly I was raped or attacked or sold to others. So I really had to get into my prayer closet and find out what forgiveness is i tell you, forgiveness is not forgetting. God forgets. But how can you forget, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, just because I don't forget doesn't mean I can't forgive. Forgiveness doesn't mean it's okay, right? I'm not saying it's okay. I still yeah. seek justice and righteousness. Forgiveness doesn't mean I don't have my boundary. You know, I don't have to have Christmas morning breakfast with you. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I can have boundary. Forgiveness doesn't mean it's not a one-time event. You know, the, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Give us this day our daily bread and help us forgive those who trespass against us. Well, I think in the same sense, daily bread and daily forgiveness. So it's daily. And I got my triggers. You know, I, I got my memories and smells and, and, and everything. Really what happened, brother, is that I was waiting for the day that the Lord would take it all away. Rainbows and butterflies. You know, I'd wake up and I'd never think about it again. I'd yeah. wake up and it'd be all gone. And, you know, I'd skip to the loo my darling. And that day never came. That day is, you know, I still have that Everest of a mountain that wants to cast its shadow upon everything I do. Some days I wake up and that Everest is bigger than it's ever been. And the only way that mountain of lies that my abuser wanted to put on me, the only way it could be even a little bit taken down, if you would, is by allowing God to get bigger. When I allowed God to get bigger, God's light outshined the darkness of the abuse. God's word was more beautiful than the liar of my abuser. God's promises were more hopeful than the hate of my abuser. So, yeah, do I wake up and have my days? Of course. There's certain smells and tastes and places. Rush it all back in? Yeah, but God is bigger than all that.
1: I agree 100%. You know, we've all come through different trials and experiences in our lives. The enemy is a liar. And he likes to remind us of things that God's already dealt with, according to his word, right? Whether it's Amen. sickness or Amen. disease or freedom from different things. And, and every now and then, you know, he'll send a little or He'll send, a like you say, a trigger or, or something like that. But I agree wholeheartedly with you that the goodness and the greatness of God can overshadow those things when we let them. Right. And I think, you know, it's important that our audience understands that. In Jeremiah, God says that he's the creator of all things. Is there anything too hard for him? And the answer is no. You know, so no matter what people have gone through, ourselves included in our lives, God is far greater than any amen. of that. We just have to come to that realization. But certainly, he's given you that realization in your own journey to tackle some of those lies when the enemy brings them forward.
2: And, amen. You know, I
1: believe in miracles, right? I believe God
2: can raise the dead, open blind eyes. Me too. do. Yeah, I believe in miracles. My miracle, which is as valuable as any other miracle, came on a journey. David said this in the 23rd Psalm, right? Even though I walked through the valley,
1: Mm -hmm. I
2: had to walk through the valley. My miracle wasn't a snap of a finger. My miracle wasn't with angel wings in one moment. But my miracle came through a journey. Along the way, God met me on that journey. Along the way, he brought me to the altar. He brought coaches and counselors, friends and supporters to help me on each step of that journey so I didn't do it alone. But I tell you, on this side of 50, I've truly forgiven my mother who neglected me and didn't protect me. I forgave the abuser who stole so much from me, not because I was letting the abuser off the hook. By forgiving mm-hmm. the abuser, I set myself free. And yeah. God's given me life and life more abundant. The abuser was, even in my 20s and 30s and 40s, He was still taking space up in my mind. His words were still echoing in my soul. So did I give it up? Did I forgive him to say it's okay? No, I forgave him because Christ forgave me.
1: Amen. That's right. Bible says whoever forgives much loves much. Amen. So I know that in this day and a couple of things, in this day and age, there's a lot of media and information about like uh, child trafficking and things like that. You know, it's it's such a, a horrible, horrible thing. It's such a desperately evil thing. So have you been able to reach out to that community and share your story with them?
2: I have. I have. I just got back from speaking at a seminar where they work with neglected and abused children. And a lot of them come out of that evil network of human trafficking. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was able to speak to the adults that work with them. I didn't speak to the children themselves, but I spoke to the caretakers, and that was a great weekend. I was just able to share there. I'm also working with some other local groups here in our community in New England, and we're here working. So yeah, innocence is stolen from anybody. You know, When when you don't have the choice, when you've been groomed and lied to and molded and been told this is the only way, Mm -hmm. and, and somebody comes in, and in my case, I remember the crackle of the threshold. I remember the weight of my abuser upon my body. I remember mm-hmm. the breath. I remember the lie he told me that you know, no one will ever believe you. They'll take mm-hmm. you away. That
0: mm-hmm.
2: I remember how he made me feel it was my fault forever. And and so, yeah, I remember that. So I am able to share in some of those communities. Again, I spoke to a national community and of the leaders and here at our local level, speaking with uh, different organizations who support helping people that are trapped in human trafficking.
1: Now, one other question that I have for you too, deals with perceived abuse, if you want to call it that. Obviously, yours was very tangible and real. And, and and as you said, you've still got some memories of that. But what about people that have said, like, I have these memories, but I don't have like a visual. I don't have like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, how do those people break through when they don't have, let's say, 100% concrete evidence that it happened, but all they have is like this nagging memory that something wasn't right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, again, I'll say I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm, I'm not a counselor. I'm yep. a local preacher with a testimony. Yeah. So yeah. I'll share that. But, you know, if, if there's something being triggered, I'd find people to talk to you yeah. know, try to unpack that if you would explore that with people you trust and people that, that are there for your support, not for their own gain. I I wouldn't dismiss it. I'd be honest with oneself and say, Mm -hmm. hey, uh, these things are coming up within me. Uh, And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are are probably listening today that are even going through that, but also know the right counselors and coaches that can work with you. So I don't ignore that stuff. I I think too many people do. You know, when you're hurting, it's going to come out. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Anger, pain. And a lot of times we don't want to talk about the abuse. We don't talk about being raped or having our innocence stolen. So it's in us, but it's coming out another way. It's coming out at the table. You know, you're, you're overeating. It's coming out on the bottle. It's coming out in your words. You're pushing people away because you just don't want to deal with them. You never shut off the TV because you don't want to sit there in your own thoughts. Right. So again, if you're in a place like that, there are great groups of people that can help you unpack that.
1: Very true, what you said. What verses in the Bible really gave you that power over that situation? Over What what verses really gave you that Rima-type word, that understanding that God was speaking to you and saying, this is what you're going to do? I know you've talked about uh, prayer as a, as a mustard seed of faith.
2: You know, I, I think there's a lot there, but every time I look at Genesis chapter 32, we find Jacob, and Jacob's wrestling with an angel. Right. And as you know, the name Jacob means deceiver, liar, cheater. That's what it meant in the Bible. And as he sits there and wrestles with the angel, all night they wrestle. The angel touches his hip. He won't let him go. The angel says, let me go. I won't let you go until you bless me. The angel says, what's your name? And he has to say his name one more time. You know, life, situations, my mistake, their mistake, whatever. My name's Jacob. He had to say, I'm a deceiver one more time. And in NIV, the Bible tells us this, that the angel said, you're no longer Jacob, but you're now Israel because you've wrestled with God and man, and have overcome. I think when I read that story, that's kind of how I see my story, that I had to wrestle with myself, my own head, you know, what's right, what's wrong. You know, I had to wrestle with sometimes a a mentality of of a victim mentality. Mm -hmm. I had to wrestle Mm with all these different perspectives of oneself. I had to wrestle with God. Mm -hmm. If you're real, why did this happen? If you're loving, why did this, this take place? Why didn't you protect me? So I had to wrestle with all that. But I can tell you at the end of the day, I believe I got a new name. I believe the world wanted to call me victim. I believe Satan was trying to call me broken. But God gave me that new name. I had a rest. I I got that new name of hope. I got that new name of son of God. I got that new name of no longer victim, but victorious.
1: Amen to that, for sure. And that's what Jesus is all about, right? So just to wrap things up, what's the one thing that you would say to someone in our audience about God? What about God that he, he loves you? And even though you went through the
2: darkest, most ugly thing in your life, you're clenching your fist and saying, God, if you're real, why? I can tell you, God's love can pierce the dark. You're not alone. Lie of the enemy would say you're the only one that's ever gone through what you've gone through. And your situation may be dark and desperate, but you're not alone. That's the lie of the enemy to say you're the only one. There are people there. There's a massive amount of people there that want to extend their hands to you and say, we want to help. We want to help you get over get through, get by, to deal with whatever term you want to use, but they're stretching out their hands and saying, hey, I wrestled with that same bottle. I wrestled with that same pill. I wrestled with those same thoughts. I was abused too. So the biggest thing I would say to people is God loves you and you're not alone.
1: Amen. So if people are looking for that kind of help and they want to find out more about your ministry, And your book, where can they go? Your book's called Forgiving the Nightmare, right?
2: Yeah, that's the name of our book, Forgiving the Nightmare. It's my story. I put some, what I call, Trail markers, some of the steps I took to, to keep you on that journey in the book. But you go to forgivingthenightmare.com, forgivingthenightmare.com. You can also go to Amazon and find the book there. At uh, Amazon, just type in Forgiving the Nightmare and you can buy the book there. But if you want to know more about these, see some other podcasts I've been on, see a couple of videos I made, feel free to check me out at forgivingthenightmare.com.
1: Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for being on the show today. It's been a real blessing to hear the victory that Christ has brought into your life. And I know that it's going to minister to those who are listening. So God bless you so much and many blessings on the work that God has you doing right now.
2: God bless you and thank you for having me. May the Lord be glorified.
1: Amen to that.
0: Sometimes this world... A cold, cold place and you feel so all alone when the chips are down, you got no place to go. you come to the end of the road You don't have to go it alone I don't have to be Just reach out and touch Oh, the master's outstretched hand He'll take your burden, nobody like the Lord